you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's going on, everybody? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks. little bonus episode here, second one of the week. We've got the draft in the rearview mirror, Bucky, and now you kind of look out that windshield and we got rookie minicamps taking place and really training camp. It's not, it's not that far away. No, it's not that far away, but it's an exciting time if you're working in the front office because now you finally get an opportunity to see the guys. Not only the guys that you brought in via the draft, but some of your marquee free agent signings, some of the guys that you may be excited about that you were able to pluck off the street. And coaches are excited because they finally get a chance to take all their offseason projects and to put them on the plate in the field, and it means that we're just that much closer to the regular season beginning to start. Well, Bucky, I know how much you enjoy draft grades. It's your favorite thing to do. I love like, it. You ask, you ask to do these every year. You're just like, please, let me do draft grades. So I want to start off with a, uh, a, little, uh, a little offshoot here uh, on draft grades. I'm on Skype. We're not together, but you can see me. I need a, uh, I need a beard grade here. I need a beard grade. I what mean, it's, it's, it's coming in nicely, but it's kind of in that in-between stage. So I'm going to give you like a C plus. Because oh, it, gosh. Come on, it hasn't fully C+? come out. Yeah, because it's kind of salt and pepper. It's it's a little beyond the stubble, but it's not fully out. So I, I'll give you an above average grade, a little more growth, and then you can get to the B category. All right, Mayox goatee versus my beard. Who wins? I'm not really a big fan of his goatee, so I'm gonna give you the nod. <laughs> you go at my I'm gonna, you, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with your beard on this. Okay. I think, okay. Well, I think I like potentially. It. I think potentially your beard has has more growth. A little salt and pepper, a little Jeffrey Osborne type. Ooh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm I'm definitely where do I stop though? That's the question. I've already I've already reached a stage where it itches like crazy. I, I always mean, maybe I'm, you can do the James Harden thing. Maybe you can grow it all the way out. There's no I mean, which draft analyst would have that whole <laughs> It would make me it would really make me stand out in the marketplace. Uh, I like that move. Bucky, that is a hideous hat that you're wearing. I'm gonna let you get away with it though. The Dodgers? The Dodgers, yuck. It's like it's like a, almost I mean, the like Padres. A, the Padres have been to the World Series, and you know more recently than the Dodgers have been. Yeah, but it, the Dodgers go and they win it. Nineteen eighty-eight. They go what win it. it. They win it. Nineteen eighty-eight. What were you? What were you? Twelve years old? <laughs> no, no, no. I was in high school. I was a junior in high school. I saw you know Kurt. 
big Dodger fan back Gibson. in Carolina, I bet, at that time, Gibson too, huh? Doing it. Dusty Baker. You were not a Dodger Why fan. Why so though. spicy today, DJ? I was more I was more of a Yankee. I was a Reggie. Well, I'm just fan. still upset he gave me a C plus on the beer. I thought it was yeah, a B minus. That's true. That's true. It's, it's, a, it's legitimately a B minus beard. B minus. I'll go with that's B minus right. too. It's all right. So all right. here's a top here's a topic for today though, guys, because we, we said this is gonna be kind of a little more of a brief uh, episode here. I know we've got somebody else coming to the podcast studio here in just a little bit anyways, but uh, Buck, what I want to do is go through the divisions. We went through the divisions and talked about which division leader we thought would be most vulnerable uh, in the last episode. Now I want to go through, now that we've had the offseason kind of uh, run its course here with free agency and the draft, let's look at each division and identify the team we think did the most to help their quarterback. So let's just focus on the offensive side of the ball, which team did the most in each division to really prop their quarterback up as we go forward. Think we can pull this off, Buck? Yeah, I think so. I think we're good. All right, let's uh, let's start off here with the AFC East, and this one was a little bit tricky, Bucky, uh, when you look at these teams because there really hasn't been a team that's just gone all in and to really you know help their quarterback out. I would say, to me, when I looked at it, I ended up going with the Patriots, and I know they end up losing Martellus Bennett. They're going to lose uh, Legarrette Blunt, but then I look at what they were able to to get done. Uh, and bringing in a Rex Burkhead, I think, is kind of an underrated signing. But to me, this is all about Brandon Cooks getting him in the fold. You trade for Dwayne Allen. Um, I think this is going to be a more explosive offense, and I think Brandon Cooks is going to add a whole new element when you mix him in with what you already have there in, in Edelman and Amendola and Hogan and Mitchell. Uh, I think Brandon Cooks is set to have a big year there. So if I had to look at all those teams in that division, I'd say the Patriots did the most to help their quarterback, which is kind of scary. Yeah, it is kind of scary because on paper this is a much better team than a team that just hoisted the Lombardi Trophy uh, when it comes to their offensive personnel. You alluded to Brandon Cooks. Talked about Dwayne Allen. I'm going to go Mike Gillisley, the running back that they were able yeah. to plug from the Buffalo Bills, and Rex Burkhead. Changes the dynamic because I still don't know what you do with James White and Deion Lewis, but now you have four running backs that can play and bring a variety of skills to the table. You can throw the ball all over the yard with the previous re- – wide receiver core, but now in Brandon Cooks, you have a guy that I think is more of a true number one, someone that can take the top off the defense, and with the ongoing and continued development of Malcolm Mitchell, this team is loaded. We'll see if they play up to expectations, but expectations for them is always the Super Bowl. We'll see if they're able to pull it off. So are you with me, though, then, in terms of – Yeah, I absolutely agree. I do. I do. Um, Buffalo, I, I like the fact that Dennison comes in. I like the system that Tyrod Taylor will play in, but – I just don't know if they have enough firepower to get it done. Right now, I think the Patriots are head and shoulders above the division. When you look at, one, the fact that they had a, a, a vice grip on the division for over a decade, and then you have Tom Brady still playing at a high level. All right, let's go AFC North. And when I look at these teams inside the division, Buck, uh, I ended up going with Cincinnati. And look, you, you look at John Ross, who they bring in the draft. Uh, you, you look at also the running back position with Joe Mixon, who's an elite talent on the football field. Nobody can debate that. And then Josh Malone, one of the guys you've been trumpeting throughout this whole draft process, who I think is a really good player and I know Sully loves uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, I think they've really done a nice job of putting some pieces around him. Now, they lose their left tackle in free agency in Whitworth. So you're going to need some of these young guys in Fisher and Obui to step into these tackles. They brought, I think they brought Andre Smith back. They yeah, they did bring him. Andre Smith back, who can play some guard for them and could also kick out to tackle if they need him to. So I, I think when you look around the division, Pittsburgh, look, they, they, have, they have some nice pieces in place, but in terms of new firepower, Martavis Bryant comes back. I get that. But I think Cincinnati added the most. You know, two for two. I, I agree with you. Um, Ross and Mixon add speed. 
Uh, Josh Malone also adds an element of speed and playmaking ability down the field. This is an offense that desperately wants to help Andy Dalton get back on track in terms of he only had 18 touchdowns. They want to push the ball down the field, create some more splash plays. These guys on the outside will command more attention. It should allow their stars, A.J. Green and others, to step up and have big years. And I also wouldn't forget about Tyler Eifert, even though he's not a new holdover, but being able to kind of lift the blanket on some of the coverage that is directed to his attention should help Andy Dalton play at a better level. All right, who do you got in the AFC South? AFC South, you know, this is a tough one because – I had a tie, so I'm anxious to see what you ended up doing. I went with Jacksonville, and I went with Jacksonville yeah. primarily because for Blake Bortles, I think what the Jacksonville Jaguars have done is really alleviate some of the pressure on him to have to carry this team, bringing in Leonard Fournette, trying to upgrade the offensive line with a guy like Cam Robinson, having some of the weapons that they have. I know Michael Rivera isn't a huge addition at tight end, but they – have some guys already in place that could play. But the main thing is Leonard Fournette, that offensive line, and then the new coaching staff with Nathaniel Hackett trying to simplify and tailor-make this offense to Blake Bortles. It should help him play better. But in reality, it's now or never for Blake Bortles. If he's going to be the guy that some of the Jaguars officials believe that he can be, this is the year where he has to prove it. We'll get a chance to see very, very shortly and very early in the preseason. Yeah, so I had a tire. Jacksonville, I, get, I totally agree with you what you're saying there. But then I also put Tennessee, and this is really what they did in the yep. draft. You know, I thought, look, when you bring in a Corey Davis, who I thought was the best receiver, I think you had him as the, the second receiver in this draft or right around there. Um, and you bring in, to me, Jonu Smith is kind of that H-back is going to be a nice complement to what they already have in place there with Delaney Walker. Yep. You bring in a Taewon Taylor, who we talked a bunch about in, in our podcast in the run-up to the draft, is somebody that can be a, uh, a vertical stretch receiver who's also super competitive after the catch. So... I thought they really added some nice young weapons that can grow up with Marcus Mariota. They did. You can't, I can't dispute what they've been able to do in building this offense in two years. They talk about wanting to play an exotic smash-mouth style of football. They have that ability. They can run the football with Derrick Henry, um, DeMarco Murray, and then now being able to throw the ball. If Corey Davis plays as a number one, is healthy, does all the things that we expect him to do as a polished route runner, he should command a lot of attention at number one. And the game should be very, very easy for Marcus Mariota provided he's able to come back healthy from their broken leg. All right, AFC West. I thought this was an easy one. I'll see where you, where you went on this one. Well, I'm sure you probably went with the Chargers and <laughs> Phillip Rivers because they made it easy for him with Mike Williams. I'm actually going to say the Oakland Raiders. And the reason I'm going to stick with the Oakland Raiders, Marshawn Lynch gives them an identity on offense that's a little different than what they had. No disrespect to Latavius Murray, but Latavius Murray was more of a big finesse runner. Marshawn Lynch is a power player. So that power – Running style is going to command a different level of attention. You should get eight-man boxes more one-on-one on the outside. The thing that troubled me last year about the Raiders, at the end of the year, Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree kind of came back to earth. They didn't produce at the same level the last four or five games, and particularly in the playoffs. They couldn't get away from one-on-one. When you have a guy like Marshawn Lynch there, it should force more Eight-man boxes, single coverage on the outside. Those guys should be able to win on that. They couldn't win in the postseason. I think Lynch is going to really help Derek Carr. Yeah, I like Marshawn Lynch, Bucky, but you're right. You knew, you know me well enough. I, I had the Chargers, and to me, when you really kind of look around the league, um, I, I put them right up near the top in terms of what they've done for the quarterback. Now, first of first of all, let's start with just getting back a Keenan Allen healthy. Uh, you get back Keenan Allen, Allen healthy, you're talking about a guy with 100-plus catch uh, potential there in this offense so he's a big time player then you draft a Mike Williams in the first round and plug him in as a day one starter third down red zone going to have an immediate impact 
But Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney, two interior offensive linemen with some versatility, some flexibility, I thought they were the best two interior offensive linemen in the draft. So to get both those guys, I think they're plug and play. I think you can upgrade along the offensive line. And even a little bit later on in the draft, another guy from Utah who we didn't talk a lot about, but Sam Tevy, yep. who's a very athletic tackle for the Utes. I mean, they had four of those five linemen drafted from Utah, so it was a good group. But I think he's got some developmental potential. Um, but just looking at those guys coming back healthy with Keenan Allen, and then you mix in a Mike Williams, two offensive linemen, and maybe a third as a developmental guy. Uh, I thought they did a nice job surrounding their quarterback. They absolutely did a nice job. Phillip Rivers has let it be known that he wants to play another four or five years. And it looks like, based on what the Chargers have been able to do and what they committed to him during the draft, they believe that he can play for the next three or four years. Big-time weapon in Mike Williams. You talked about fortifying that offensive line. They can run the ball. Melvin Gordon showed last year that he was everything that we thought he could be when he was drafted high. So this offense looks up – and. On paper, right now, the Chargers look like the nice dark horse contender to not only get in the playoffs, but to maybe make a run. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm look. I've been beating this drum for a while. I think this team is a lot better than uh, what their record looked like last year. All right, Bucky, NFC East. This is an interesting one. Where'd you go? I went Eli Manning, the New York Giants, and the reason I went with that. This is a team that struggled last year. They averaged fewer than 20 points per game. They they couldn't push the ball consistently down the field, and he was off the mark, didn't really have a good year. So you bring over Brandon Marshall to help them in the red zone. You get a tight end in Evan Ingram, who I thought was the most polished route runner of all the tight ends. And now when they play small ball, they have the ability to create mismatches all over the field. Eli Manning can generate explosive plays without having to push the ball down the field. I think this should help his completion percentage go up. It also should help their explosive play rate go up as well. All right. Well, I, you don't. I didn't have to tell you. You know where I'm going. I don't know where you're going. Going to Philadelphia. NFC. Yeah, NFC East. I mean, I mean, Buck. Look, look, just look at look at these names compared to what they had last year. Okay. You bring in Alshon Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Torrey Smith is back from Siberia, where he was out in San Francisco. I think he's still got some good football. He's still a relatively young guy. You bring in those two wide receivers. You draft Mac Hollins from North Carolina, who we talked a bunch. You're Tar Heel, who's got a chance to be a vertical receiver. You draft Sheldon Gibson from West Virginia, who's a big-time vertical stretch guy. And then you get Donnell Pumphrey, who's going to be kind of the heir apparent to Darren Sproles you can use in the slot and do some different things with him. Uh, so, man, I think they've really given their quarterbacks some weaponry. Now, the one position they didn't really address is that full-time back yeah. Which leads me to my next question for you. I saw this floated around the other day. I wanted to see if, what you thought of this trade. There was a trade float around because the Eagles have so much depth on the offensive line that maybe they could send Kelsey to New Orleans, who now seems to have a little bit of a logjam at running back for Mark Ingram. What do you think of that trade? Man, that's interesting because I, I saw a similar thing, not necessarily with Ingram, but I saw it with Jeremy Hill from the Cincinnati Bengals. But I think – with a Mark Ingram or Jeremy Hill, they do need a feature back. And when Philly has always been good, even back in the Brian Westbrook days, they always had a big back that could kind of handle some of the power games, some of the four-minute offensive responsibilities. They need to find that back because a good running game will prevent them from having to expose Carson Wentz to too many pass attempts. I still kind of want to keep it right around 30, 32. I don't want him to have to be a guy that has to throw it 35 to 40 times a game for them to win. What about the option of tra- that trade? You got that option there. You pick up Ingram in a swap for Kelsey, or uh, you try and move some things around financially and just figure out a way to get a nice team-friendly deal for LeGarrette Blount. What would you rather do? 
you know, I like LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt still being available is kind of a mystery to me. Um, guy had over 1,100 yards, 18 rushing touchdowns. I know he's a 30-year-old back, but you would think that the market would have opened up to a guy who is um, – last couple of years, he's been a very, very effective player in New England. Maybe their skill kind of scared off on the last time he left New England, went to Pittsburgh, it didn't go so well. Maybe that's affecting his marketability. But if I'm the Eagles, I definitely would explore that because he does have the ability to find pay dirt, and that's something that they need, and he brings a level of toughness that they also don't have in a running game. I'll tell you what, when I look at their roster here, Nelson Aguilar better have him a heck of a heck of an offseason here and a heck of a training camp. I don't know how he makes his football team. It's going to be tough. I think the only thing that he has kind of hanging over his head or, or helping him is the fact that he was the number one pick. But, yeah, it is on him. He is on their alert and also – Laquan Treadwell in Minnesota is also under. Oh, yeah, man. They, they can't help. They keep searching for more. Every time they search for another wide receiver, I'm thinking, man, that, that's not going well. No, it's uh, not going well. Not a good situation. All right, NFC North. This is another one where I had a tie, Bucky. Interested to see which team you think helped their quarterback the most. So it's funny because I just mentioned Laquan Treadwell. I'm going to say Minnesota helped Sam Bradford a lot. And some of it is with their personnel, but a lot of it is with their coaching staff. Having Pat Sherman elevated to – the offensive coordinator position on a full-time basis should help him. Last year, like, it's crazy. When you look at Sam Bradford's numbers, he had best. He had a good year. Completion percentage, 71. He had his best passer rating at 99.3 or 99.5. Did a pretty good job of taking care of the ball, getting the ball out, and being efficient. They couldn't run. They couldn't run the football, and they didn't have that. So they go and take care of that. Dalvin Cook, Latavius Murray. We've already mentioned Latavius Murray being a big finesse back, but he's a one-cut runner. He can play in that scheme. But Dalvin Cook, to me, is someone who is special, not only as a runner but as a receiver. He should add some juice to that offense and help them out. On offense, they go, I mean, as as recently as this week, they get a Michael Floyd. Uh, Laquan Treadwell was supposed to be the guy that was going to be the number one receiver. But if he is not able to get on the field, he can't make a contribution even down in the red zone. Michael Floyd is a guy that can make contributions in the red zone but also help them when they may need that big play down the field because he's averaged over 14 yards per catch throughout his career. By the way, we'll see. Maybe Laquan Treadwell will get this thing turned around and he'll end up having a great career. But it does not look good at this point in time, Bucky. And this is, to me, it's a good reminder because – scouts take a lot of criticism and the profession takes a lot of criticism from the media. And one of the things they say, and we heard this a little bit about Deshaun Watson this year, although I think we were in agreement that we liked Deshaun Watson, but I don't know what you guys, I mean, it's not that hard. Look, he dominated in the, in the best conference in football. We say, we always have to warn and say, whoa, whoa, it doesn't matter if it's the best conference in college football. It's a different game at the next level and the measurables and those physical tools. That's what you have to evaluate. You can't evaluate a box score. Yeah, and I remember when Juan Treadwell was coming out. Remember, I mean, I think we both had him like in the 20s or in there. I mean, it, there's people that say he should be a top five pick. Just look at his production. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's a four six guy now. You don't see that burst. You don't see that sudden. He's always covered. Yeah, he's always covered. And he didn't play with the level of physicality or toughness that Mike Williams displayed. He didn't play yeah. um, bully ball on the edge. He didn't play in a style that was much like Des Bryant. When I watched him coming out, I kind of compared him to Alshon Jeffrey. And Alshon Jeffrey, to me, is someone that doesn't have explosive speed, but is a great um, alley-oop player. Um, he has outstanding ball skills. I think Laquan has nice ball skills like that, but for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to make his mark in Minnesota. And it would be interesting to see as they transition from what they did with North Turner to a true West Coast offense, how does he find his fit? Yeah, no, look, I, I like when you look at the what the Vikings did in the offseason – 
Pat, Pat Elfline, I think, has got a chance to play for them very early, a third-round pick out of Ohio State center. Uh, Rodney Adams, a wide receiver we talked a little bit about from South Florida in the run-up to yep. the draft, who's got some big-time juice. Stacy Coley, who's, uh, you know, kind of either liked him or you hated him from Miami, but he's got big-time speed. So they've added some speed there. Danny Isadora, another interior offensive lineman uh, from Miami, who they got in the fifth round, I think has starting potential. And then Bucky Hodges, kind of a wild card. You've got Kyle Rudolph, you've got Bucky Hodges, you've got two tall trees you can throw out there in the red zone. Uh, but I'm glad you mentioned that on Sam Bradford because he did have a sneaky good year last year with zero running game. Zero running game. It was very, very effective and efficient. More of a shotgun team, Minnesota is. So that's why they had to move on from Adrian Peterson. You had two contrasting styles and approaches with Adrian Peterson. You had to play one way. With Sam Bradford, you can play a completely different way. You get Adrian Peterson out. Now, this is Sam Bradford's offense. This is his team. He should be set up to have a lot of success next season. Um, and then uh, the other team, because I said it was a tie, I thought I like what Detroit did in, in the offseason. That really yeah. in free agency, when you bring over TJ Lang and Ricky Wagner, uh, upgrades at right guard and right tackle, you draft, in my opinion, uh, I thought was a steal getting Michael Roberts, the tight end from Toledo in the fourth round. Uh, he's going to get a chance to play for this football team. And then Kenny Galladay, the receiver they got in the third, that was a little rich for me. I didn't have him all the way up there. But he does have some tools to work with. So I thought they did a nice job of giving Matthew Stafford some support, mainly there in the offensive line, trying to get good there. I think what we're seeing is a shift in the approach, the offensive approach for the Detroit Lions. For so long, we treated Matthew Stafford as the gunslinger. Uh, they were going to play bombs away ball in Detroit. Now you're seeing a more controlled environment. Uh, the pieces around him kind of dictate that they need to play more of a control style on offense a little more ball control a little more short intermediate passes as opposed to firing it down the field he has responded in splendid fashion in fact last year um, there was a time where I thought he was going to be the MVP and if they can get that level of play as to continue to surround him with weapons uh, Detroit could be a a major factor in the playoff mix all right let's go NFC South Buck uh, I went Carolina, and I went with Cam. And yeah. what they were able to do with Cam Newton, and a lot of it stems from their ability to take what I call these offensive hybrids. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, guys that can play in the backfield, in the slot, out wide. They can br- bring a variety of different things to the table, be it wildcat, jet sweep, traditional running back or wide receiver. They will give the defense a lot to think about. The biggest challenge um, – for them will be how will Mike Shula deploy his personnel? Um, they took a tackle, Taylor Morton, who could go outside and replace Michael Orr. They have all these young pieces that are dynamic. Can he act as a Madden player and really control the sticks from the sideline? Yeah, this offense is really built inside out now when you look at their weaponry. I mean, we'll see Kelvin Benjamin. sounds like he's a biscuit away from being a tackle yep. uh, the way they've talked about him in the offseason. Devin Funches a big physical wide receiver. So they're huge on the outside, but really their difference makers, their matchup guys are the tight end and these two new backs that they, that they are going to incorporate into this offense. So they're going to have to be a little creative in how they build this thing inside out. Yeah, I mean, but I think it's part of a growing trend. When I look at the way teams are playing, the, the best teams are kind of working inside out. They're mixing the slot receivers with the running backs and using them in the passing game. Last year, the Patriots, who won the Super Bowl, threw to their running backs 24% of all pass attempts. That's a lot of production. On average, yeah. league average, just 19% goes to the backs. For the Carolina Panthers a season ago, they only threw 44 passes to running backs. That's 13% of their attempts. They needed to up the ante to give Cam Newton an opportunity to really hit some layups. He only completed 52% of his passes. 
They need some shorter throws, some things that can really result in high payoff, easy stuff for them. Yeah, no question. Um, look, I, I also wrote down here Tampa with what they did. But oh, I, like, I, mean, I, like what, I like what Tampa did. Deshaun o- Jackson and you bring in O.J. Howard. I mean, that's going to have a major Two game impact. changes. Deshaun Jackson changes the game as an outside playmaker. Uh, when you look at the books, uh, 22 touchdowns over 60 yards. That's only behind Jerry Rice, who has six, 23 of 60-plus. He has 57 receptions of 40-plus yards. He is a legitimate threat to score from anywhere on the field. And then in O.J. Howard, we talk about a big physical pass catcher that should really kill it in between the hashes. James Winston has a lot to work with. I just couldn't uh, put him over top of what Cam and the Panthers did, but I like what they've done. A couple other guys, too. Jeremy McNichols, who we've talked about at a Boise State, joining his Boise State brethren there with Doug Martin in the backfield. And Chris Godwin in the third round, uh, who's got some jump ball ability, again, would be a nice uh, pairing when you get down in the red zone with Mike Evans and having Godwin out there as well as uh, as well as O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray. you got a lot of guys that can do some work down there. All right, NFC West, Buck. I went with the Rams, and I went with the Rams for what they were able to do to help Jerry Goff. First, let's start with the coach, Sean McVay, coming in. A uh, bit of a quarterback whisperer, the work that he did in Washington with Kirk Cousins and that staff. Uh, he deserves kudos. Young guy, energetic. I think he'll have a better connection with uh, McVay. And then I look at the weapons that they tried to add on the outside. Cooper Cup comes in. He should automatically be their most dependable receiver. He's going to be the guy that I think he leans on in third down situations. I like Robert Woods. Robert Woods can be that de facto number one receiver. Uh, he's more of a probably a, a, a B-level receiver, but I think he can handle it. I think he can handle the responsibilities of being the guy in that offense. And then Gerald Everett is a guy that can really come out of nowhere and help them out. If they can get all those guys going in the right direction, you'll see better play from golf. How about Andrew Whitworth, too? I know he's he's getting up there in age, but you got a chance yes. to hopefully solidify that left tackle position. Josh Reynolds, who they got in the fourth round, Cooper Cup in the third. So they've added a bunch of young players there on that offense. I'll give you one, though, that's kind of sneaky. Look, the quarterback position is what it is. I think we're going to end up seeing uh, Brian Hoyer trot out there as a starter this year for the 49ers. Their future quarterback probably is either Kirk Cousins or, or one of these college kids yep. uh, we're going to see come out next year. But in terms of trying to build, we talked about you know plugging all the holes in the boat with the Browns before they inserted their quarterback. I think when you look at the 49ers here, Pierre Garçon coming over as a veteran who knows the system. Kyle Shanahan's going to be yep. a huge help to Hoyer, obviously some, some experience there their relationship but Pierre Garçon going to be there to help him right away on the field but I think he's going to be able to mentor some of these guys on offense in the meeting room and and, and off the field so he'll have some value there Uh, but then you also look at some of the other pieces that they they put in place here offensively Um, Joe Williams who yeah they really 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 like him really really like him him. yeah but he can play and I think he's a perfect fit for what they want to do scheme wise so uh, he'll be a nice fit for them and then Underrated, underrated guy in this draft who we saw at the Senior Bowl, who everybody had a tough time covering. Buck, Trent Taylor, that little that little slot receiver from Louisiana Tech, he yes. is a good player. I think he's got a chance to really flourish in this system once he gets comfortable. Uh, he does have a good chance. He was uncover- unguardable down at the Senior Bowl. His quickness, his stop start ability, really allows him to get big separation. Trying to figure out a way to fit him into that role. I would envision that he's probably going to play the Jamison Crowder role in that offense um, or do some of the things that maybe Taylor Gabriel or Justin Hardy did down in Atlanta. But there's a nice role for him to play in that offense. They can get him the ball. He has to make things happen. 
Um, I kind of like what they do. I'm not in love with the quarterback, but I do believe they have enough weapons now to be a functional offense uh, based on what they had last year. Yeah, look, I, I'm with you. I, I think the quarterback's to come. I think that's going to come down the road here. But I think they do have some some nice young pieces in place here to see if this offensive line, some of these younger players can continue to develop. Uh, they'll have a shot. But as I look at it, Bucky, uh, when you look at this roster overall for the 49ers, they're picking in the top, what, seven or eight next year? I think, I think pretty so. Secure in that. I think so. I think no matter what, they're able to sell. They're still um, missing some key players, some blue-chip players at some key positions. I don't know offensively where all their blue players are. I, I mean, I, to me, they don't have blue players like stars at wide receiver or running back. So I don't know who you hang your hat on. Quarterback's not a star. They just need to continue to upgrade the level of talent that they have. All right, Buck, you, uh, the teams you were with, were you guys uh, a national team of Blesto or were you un- unaffiliated with a scouting service? Uh, we were a national team. Both teams I work with, the Seattle Seahawks and the Carolina Panthers, we both use national scouting service. I thought it would be cool just to explain to some folks here in the last few minutes what goes on uh, during this time of year because people are always asking, okay, scouts, the season's over. What do you do? And really, uh, it's a time of year where you'll do some, uh, you'll do a little bit of pro work. Usually, we get a couple teams. They would get, send each of us the area scouts. You would get two pro teams you'd be responsible for. And all you're doing is watching the guys that are going to be their free agents for the next year. So if I was working for the Eagles, they might give me the Chargers and the Seahawks. And I got that each are going to have you know, nine or 10 free agents come up the next year. So I would watch them and put gr- reports in, put grades in the system. It was helpful because you kind of see how these players right. are playing uh, to just see either college, what you thought of some of these guys in college versus how they're playing the NFL, but then just kind of helping out the pro department as well to get those early reports in on those free agents. So that was one of the assignments we had going on this time of year. Really, for the teams that I work for, I, w- I was lucky. We didn't have much going on. Um, we would go to get, we would get up, uh, have some kind of meetings in June where we would come together, we would get the initial list for... Come to a mini camp, right? Come to a mini camp, or we would just come in the middle of OTAs um, and sit there for a couple of days, look at our juniors, whisk through the tape on the guys that are the rising seniors, the crown jewels of the class in your area, put preliminary grades in, and just kind of get a jump start so you knew how to kind of set your territory. But I'm be honest, when I worked for the Panthers in Seattle, this was easy breezy. Uh, yep. It was easy breezy until we get to about training camp. Yeah, you July. get a nice little break. And most teams are pretty good about that. Being a teacher. A nice long break. But did you go, did you go to the actual national meetings? Uh, a couple years down at the end of Carolina. We, uh, so the way this works is there's the, the National Scouting Combine, which we broadcast on NFL Network. Everybody watches it, you know, call it Underwear Olympics or what have you. But that's an organization where you have teams assigned, usually most teams that are members to this service, they pay for the service, and they have to each contribute a scout, a young scout. Yep. And so those guys, they have like their own, it's like a 33rd team. They kind of form their own scouting staff, even though they're members of the individual teams. And they go out and scout these players a year ahead of time. So they're going to have already gone into these schools and got heights and weights and written reports on all of next year's seniors. So the guys are going to come back to college football and play another year. They've already gone into the schools, got their background, all that kind of stuff. Well, that information gets sent out to, to all the teams that are members. And I think there's probably a national, what would you guess, Bucky? You have 15, 16 teams probably? Yeah, probably 15, 16. That are, and then, and then there's another organization, Blesto, which probably has another 8 to 10 teams. Yes. And then there's a handful of teams that are unaffiliated. But uh, what you do is they have these spring meetings, there, usually like at Marco Island or some kind of a nice resorty type area. 
So you'll go in there, and usually, a lot of the teams will fly the scouts and their families out there. It's like a nice little vacation. And if, say, you're the, you're the West Coast scout, you would go into the meetings when the guy would present all the players that he wrote up from the West, so yep. the comp scout that went through there. So you'd sit in there, and usually, I don't care what grade he gave him, but if there were some character alerts that he had early on in the process, you'd make a note so that when you went into the school in the fall, um, you, you knew what to look for. But the big thing is they get the list. And the list is the list of prospects that have draftable grades or free agent grades so that when you're over the summer and you've got some time on your hands and you want to get ahead and maybe say, okay, I want to just, I'm going to watch Utah's draftable seniors today. You have the list with their official height, weight, speed before you start the tape. Yeah, that's very, very important. I think the interesting thing that you brought up with national and these scouting services, a lot of times the guys that are hired by them to scout are your most inexperienced scouts. So a lot of the conversation that we'll hear at the beginning of the 2018 season about which guys carry big grades, and then we wonder sometimes what happened to those guys in the draft process. Sometimes the inexperience of those scouts as they go out and throw those big grades comes back to bite them because that word leaks out about who has the big grades, and sometimes it's unwarranted when more people get in the process and start to really evaluate what these players bring to the table. Yeah, a good example that I think they had Matt Barkley as like the number one player. Um, and yeah, so Jimmy people Williams. would always yeah, yeah Jimmy yeah, Williams exactly. from Virginia Tech. People would always uh, people would always hit me up and be like, oh, how did he drop so far? I'm like, he was never up there. No, no, no. I heard the scouting service had him as the number whoa, whoa, whoa. Scouting that that's not that's not like that's not a team. That's a young individual scout that went Working into team, USC yeah. and saw the helmet and kind of bought into that. But the higher ups or or the regular scouts have been doing this for a long time never really had him there. So that's kind of the challenge. Really, all I wanted, I don't care about the grades. I just want the names of the senior starters, the guys that are going to be on the field playing that I need to evaluate. And it's very helpful to have their official height and weight. The speed, you usually don't get it. You don't get a lot of it in the spring. A lot of guys don't run. Alabama actually does. So you'll get official uh, times for them on the 40. Wow. But just have that height, weight, and potentially or height, uh, weight, and potentially the speed is a huge help when you sit down to watch tape because you – you know, as you know, you click on the website, go to uh, you know Utah's website again, and it has the tackle listed at six six three fifteen. Wow, he's really six four three ninety five. Yeah, so yeah, it make, it, it, I mean, it makes a huge difference. That's why you can't go on media guide uh, dimensions. You have to investigate, and hopefully, the scout has been able to go in there and get those guys measured up. Um, to me, it helped me set my schedule, and the reason it helped me set my schedule, uh, the number of draft prospects like guys that were legitimate prospects that kind of rated over the third round mark mm-hmm. i would always pay i would kind of count my days based on that if i had a team with more than six seven eight of those guys i knew i would have to spend more time but it helps me with what that the small the small schools was helpful yeah uh, small schools helped because those guys because were. a lot of times if those guys were rejected we wouldn't have to cruise through there so you want to make sure that they take care of all the small schools um get those guys out but you know sometimes in taking care of the small schools i I went to Willamette University right outside of Portland. Nice. I saw, nice. a, I think it was a 33-year-old offensive <laughs> lineman who had those poor air, those poor national scouts get dog cussed more than anybody too because they'll go to a small school and they know if they put a draftable <laughs> grade on this guy, everybody has to go through. Everybody's got to go through that school to see this kid. So a lot of times. Uh, you'll be at school and what the heck did they give this? This guy stinks. I came out here for nothing. What are, what are they doing to me? This is in the middle of nowhere, and this guy can't play. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times, look, they they, uh, they hit it on the head, and you need to go check these guys out. So that was 
usually you knew where you're going to go in the fall coming out of these meetings based on the number of prospects at schools. And then you kind of could build in some of these small school visits because you knew they had a guy. Yeah, you can build in some of those. And to, to me, I like to get those small school visits out the way on the first go around. So if mm -hmm. I can eliminate them sometimes off tape, it just helps uh, make the planning part of it early. But after about another week or so during this time, I'm kind of chomping at the bit to get on some tape and start kind of working throughout the day. So going to these I, small yeah, schools too, though, you could you could scout which restaurants are the best around there, oh, just yes, in case you got to come. That's all about. It's Bucky major key. That. Yeah, the, the what what hotels have the cookies? The whole nine, the best bathrooms, like the, the, That's it. That's it. That's the key. Yeah, I know. I mean, this is what we need to do. We need to for a podcast sometime over the summer. I want to get a, a list of the random schools that me and Bucky have been to, and see if we can remember anything about some of these school visits. I've been in some. Uh, Man, I've been I've been uh, Carroll College in. Yeah, I've been Montana. There. Power rank yep. uh, restaurants for small towns. Jeez. <laughs> all over the place. It's yeah, I've had some interesting over. experience. Hey, I know we got to run, guys. But, uh, hey, uh, we do not – I know we are uh, MeUndies once a week here. But I do want to mention, even though we're not going to go through our entire read, which we, we love. We do love Because them. we love MeUndies. Uh, so we'll save that for next time. So I know there's some people that tune in just to hear the MeUndies read. Yeah, the read is pretty phenomenal. Wait. But it's a great prop. I got to give you guys props. Uh, out of all the podcasts, and I work on all of them. Obviously, this is this yep. is the main one. No one, no one does it better. No one, no one does it better than to you guys for right. the read. No. Popcorn and back and forth. It's just it's already there. No, it's just a built-in. It's a look. We share a love. We That's share right. a, and Bucky. We share a passion and a love for scouting and and uh, me undies and micromodal underwear undies too for sure. Yep, uh -huh. hand in hand. All right, we're still looking to get over 500 on the uh, on the ratings on iTunes. So I, I, I'm not begging, but I'm kind of begging. Come on, guys. Get us over Let's 500. Let's get there. Let's get Gotta the 500. Get that, uh, that little uh, threshold there, we passed through it. Bucky, I promise the next time you see me, the beard will you be, be at a B level. Minus level. I'm going to get B minus. Please don't uh, shave that thing. Oh, this thing ain't getting shaved, buddy. Good. Good. We're going to continue to do VODs. We're having one today. Oh yeah, let's do it. So, I, I always wonder though when uh, when we're doing this stuff, I get I get texts from people inside the newsroom because they can pull up this raw feed on there. Yeah, I will get a lot of beard. I'll get a lot of beard text messages. Well, we're obviously going to blast out the VOD we taped today. Check it out. It's about yeah. uh, previewing the 2018 top 100 rookies. <laughs> um, but I also plan on taking a screen grab of your your Skype feed and tweeting it out as well. So <laughs> my yeah. listeners got to see it. Yeah, I like that. C plus. You know what? I got to give it to Bucky. He, What's you know, crowdsourcing? Friend, friends tell the truth. Friends are honest. You know, friends don't <laughs> sugarcoat. I got some work to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it in. Yeah, it's almost there. It's almost there. By next week, it'll be great. Yep. Yep. All I agree. Right. Right. A plus update, next week. Update the beard. Update the beard grade next week. Uh, hey, thank you guys for listening. Uh, checking out Move the Sticks. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, enjoy the Padres continuing to lose a bunch of baseball games. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> so, catch you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, 
you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.